0: This podcast episode is powered by Afropods, the world's number one podcasting platform for African stories. Hello, welcome to another edition of the Africa Climate Conversations podcast. This is a weekly podcast dedicated to bridging climate communication gaps in Africa. I'm your host, Sophie Mbogwa. Now, in Nairobi, Kenya, a partnership between the Nairobi County, Safaricom, that is the largest mobile network provider and the UN environment is monitoring air pollution emission levels and live streaming these color coded data on digital billboards. Green or the UN blue means the air quality is good. Now, red, brown, anything purple or even orange means the air is polluted. So I'm going to let my guests introduce themselves, but thank you so much, Sean, Owen, and Lawrence, for finding time today. Sean, do you want to start us off with an introduction?
1: Thank you, Sophie. Um, my name is Sean Card. I'm, I'm with the United Nations Environment Program. I'm the project lead or program lead for air monitoring in the organization and work closely um, not just with Kenya, but it's a global program, so with other the Countries, um, you know, around the world, primarily low and middle-income countries.
0: Fantastic! Thank you so much, Sean, for finding time to join us.
1: Morning, everyone.
2: My name is Owen Bima. I work for Safaricom. I'm in charge of environment, um, which basically means I'm um, in charge of uh, driving all the environment initiatives for so the organisation and basically ensuring compliance with environmental regulations and laws to be here.
0: Fantastic. Thank you so much, Owen, for finding time. And finally, Lawrence. Thank you so
3: much, Sophie, for having me. My name is uh, Lawrence Mwangi uh, from Nairobi City County. Uh, I work very closely with uh, Sean uh, at UNEP uh, in this project. I'm from City County. I'm also a student researcher who has been uh, really keen and a part of this project on air quality. Thank you, Sophie.
0: Fantastic. Thank you so much, Lawrence. And you will be telling us about the Nairobi County air quality and what it is that you're actually doing, Asante Sana. So um, I'd want us to, you know, get into the program. And Sean, um, do you want to tell us what this whole project it's been all about?
1: Um, sure, I would be delighted to, um, Sophie. So from a UN perspective, we have a mandate to work with our member states um, and we have global membership. So basically work with with country governments to improve the management of air Quality. So that's that's the framing in which I'm entering into this. When you look at air quality data going back maybe oh decades, right? What you see is generally the situation has not changed in terms of public data availability, right? So if you were to pull up a map and, and go back in time, you'll see that Africa is void of measurement. And you'll see it primarily in North America and Europe lots of measurement, that pattern is continuous. So one of the potentials of this tripartite collaboration between commercial entities like Sparicom, a public entities like um, the Nairobi County which Lawrence uh, YG represents and then ourselves as an international organization is to try to come up with a business model to address that gap. So the project that we are championing here it was to ask the question, why is this the case, right? And there's a big cost implication to be able to do monitoring of of air pollution and then use that data to basically uh, inform the public, you know, issue health advisories, uh, manage traffic and things like that. Um, How can we address that cost implication? How can we address the sustainability requirements of this? and the capacity requirements of it. So entering into this, we were looking at low-cost technologies, looking at business models that, for example, with Safaricom, where they have 5,000-plus cell towers around the country, right, and a huge infrastructure in terms of communication. All these things are needed uh, for measure, you know, to be able to measure air pollution. And then on the user side, we've got the county that needs data you know, to drive its policy campaigns, to drive its compliance monitoring, um, you know, and I'll, let, I'll leave it to Lawrence to, to talk about that. But that is essentially this project. And what what we have been doing in a stepwise is, like in the case of the billboard activity, which you, you mentioned at the introduction, um, is is trying to, to show that cycle mm-hmm. where raw data is, you know, comes through these networks, It's picked up, it's reformatted, presented in a very simple way with colors and so on to tell you pollution is bad in this location. But that's just at the surface, yeah? There's a lot more that can be done in terms of forecasting, in terms of um, health advisories, um, and there's money to be saved, yeah? And other services. Thank you so much. We'll actually talk about sustainability and moving forward.
0: How such project can be taken up by different other entities, both public, private, and even you know small NGOs and stuff. But I want to go to Lawrence and understand. Um, so this project has been monitoring air quality in Nairobi. Um, briefly, what is the situation in Nairobi in terms of air quality?
3: We can't say that the air quality in Nairobi is good. We also don't know how bad it is because. There is a, a gap in terms of air quality monitoring, and that is what we have been trying to address. As a county, we realized for us to be able to address this, uh, we have to work with partners to be able to understand and get the knowledge on how uh, this happens. We also have to get experiences from other places. If you look, Sophie, you'll find that uh, there is not of a baseline study that has been done to be able to concretely give... a. Uh, a picture of how the air quality is. But we have tried to put up uh, these monitors and uh, provide this data to people. And the, the main thing is uh, provide data so that as people-centered actions can start to be manifested. People need to have the information and then they can be able also to initiate actions. As government, uh, through our policy, which we have uh, recently put to the assembly, is to give the county government mechanisms and also structures on how air quality needs to be managed within the city. And then from this, which for a framework, we can be able to get, to get budgets. But in the meantime, we have continued to work with partners. Uh, we are t- trying to bring all of them on board because we realize there is a lot of monitoring that is happening, but it is disintegrated. People are working by themselves. We don't have a central platform where this data can be shared and uh, be put out to uh, the people. But in terms of also policy and decision making, I think it is also providing good directions because we are able to now base our actions based on uh, information that we are getting from the sensor. So it's, it's, it's a continuous process and I believe it all starts with uh, creating awareness. People know how their quality is, devise more, better ways of uh, sharing this data and then we can work together with the people and get solutions to be able to address. Because sometimes when you propose solutions and people don't understand the problem, then it becomes a challenge. So, this one I think it is science based and it's going to help Nairobians understand the kind of air they're breathing.
0: Which areas are you monitoring within Nairobi City? In our monitoring, we
3: have a wide range of land uses. We look at the, the industrial setting, we also look at residential areas, uh, we look at commercial areas, and we are also now having a monitor that is also proposed at uh, final waste disposal so that we can see the impact of waste uh, to the environment for example we have chandaria who is hosting a monitor for us we have a person who is doing a waste collection which is beans and these are people who also want to see how compliant they are how the environment is even if it is within the industrial area so we are trying to also put the stakeholders uh, on board we are working also with cara this is the kenya alliance of residents association so that we can get more to the people and we are also working with them uh, association so that they can also pass the message to the people on how the air quality has been this time, how is it deteriorating, is it improving, uh, so that we can also have all this data. So it's a wide range of uh, different areas with different value tests that we
0: have put Oh, fantastic. Owen, oh, Safari Comp, you are a private entity. You have a lot of infrastructure in terms of the whole country. And one of the biggest thing, and Sean mentioned that in terms of uh, monitoring air quality, infrastructure is actually required. It's a high cost. Tell us how... Safaricom is leveraging the technology that you have in terms of ensuring that the infrastructure that you have can be used in terms of monitoring this data and also uh, live streaming it. Thank you, Sophie. Um, Safaricom's purpose has always been to transform lives
2: and we've always been driven by that fact. So we always want to transform lives and environmental sustainability has been one of the key pillars which we normally leverage on in order to transform lives. As Sean has mentioned, um, we have about 5,000 plus cell towers across the country, which um, in our discussions with the United Nations Environmental Group, we settled on being the best way to actually just scale up. And they um, use our cell towers in order to place their monitors and be able to get the data on um, air quality and they able to use some of our shops, which are also widely distributed across the country. So Safaricom stepped in in a role that we are able to provide these facilities to be able to collect the data. They can also be able to give out the connectivity part of it, which is in form of the SIM cards, which will allow the data to be collected and transferred to the monitors, which normally reflect the data. So in terms of um, Safaricom, that's where we so our best efforts could be leveraged. Uh, that's where we could plug in. And as a private sector which specialises in connectivity, it will be something of an easy, an easy thing for us to deliver and help us transform lives in that way.
0: And Sean, just wondering in terms of the sensors that are actually being used, are they small sensors? How costly are they? Are these sensors you know that can be able to actually be Moved from different areas. What kind of sensors is this project using, and how affordable is it?
1: So, their sensors or miniaturization of measurement instrument has, has is is a, a development field. The cost has been coming down. So, a reference-grade instrument that measures fine dust particles, and when I say dust, I mean chemicals suspended in the air, right? Which could include your your dust blowing in the wind but that could also be chemicals that are transported, say, from construction material and combustion from engines and so on, right? So I'm using dust in that in that context. So sensors that measure that range from anywhere from, say, let's say 5,000 shillings to about 20,000 shillings or more. Um, but the high-grade instruments are in the millions. So the sensors we've been using are... In between 20,000 and 50,000 shillings. Um, and they have a lifespan of anywhere from one to two years, and then they need maintenance. What these units, the size of these units, make them very easy to install. They're about the size of a shoebox, let's say. Um, and what Safaricom brings here is the security, because a lot of our issues in doing physical monitoring. Is of course security, availability of power, and of course communication, mm-hmm. right? These are what we call IoT devices. So they they sample real time like every minute or even in seconds, and then they immediately send that data uh, through the internet, you know, to some place. So the, the the advantage of you have of these systems is you can get on your cell phone, you know, an immediate alert if there's a a, a very dangerously high level of pollution.
0: Interesting. And so that means if this project is being scaled up, I would say probably it's not so costly, like other counties or even people in in institutions or governments in different countries can actually probably afford. And this means these gadgets can be moved uh, from one area to another without requiring huge cost implications.
1: Economy of scale, that's right. Um, There is a transboundary issue the pollution you may see in one county could very well end up in another county right so it's not always localized you can actually design the network to monitor in such a way that we can know and we say upstream downstream we could know where how these sources that may not be in the city or could very well be in the city how these sources move and how they impact other areas and take measures much wider than the county in some cases to address them.
0: Lawrence, um, one of the things you had in terms of the county, I just want to understand how the county has actually benefited because one of the things I noticed is the county has a policy already, but then there's an air quality bill. I was up for public uh, participation the other day. What benefits have you seen as a county from this particular project?
3: Uh, we realize that the uh, air quality is also quite a technical field that was devolved by NEMA and when it was devolved, it did not come with any technical capacity or equipment. So it has taken time for the county to understand uh, this particular subject and be able to legislate and be able to plan on how uh, they can be able to take care of this. So in terms of uh, this project, we have really benefited because uh, we have uh, already uh, started bringing uh, down uh, information to the people and also to the policy makers so that whatever decision uh, that is based, Air quality also, as I say, we are able to monitor a highway and be able to know which are the peak times. We have seen previous decisions like uh, when we were saying the car-free city uh, being a challenge because people could not understand why. But if we have such data that can be able to inform uh, such decisions, then uh, I think also the general public will also be able to support in this. Uh, we are working uh, to make sure that that data is transmitted even beyond the. The billboards uh, like now we have a reflect that we are able to come down to a particular sensor and be able to analyze that data and share that reflect with the community that is within that uh, particular sensor that is uh, specific data to that sensor uh, that is customized for those people so we are trying also to be innovative trying to come up with uh, more ways of uh, passing data to the general public and also being able to use that data for ourselves Uh, And from the benefit that we have seen from uh, this project, we are also working with other partners to uh, get similar projects and also being able to convince uh, the assembly who are the lawmakers and who give us the budget to be able to understand uh, you can be able to see real-time data for this sensor within your area. And then they can be able to support us to be able to cover uh, the entire city
0: what budget are you looking at in terms of scaling it up Uh,
3: in terms of budget uh, we have uh, an action plan that really states uh, the activities that the county needed to do within a particular timelines and as you have heard the first thing we decided that it was important to have policy and uh, a framework that governs how this has been done Mm -hmm. we had a budget that i was able to take care of that Uh, it is in the final stages Uh, Last week, there was a public participation at Chatterhall to be able to finalize on the bill. In terms of the air quality monitoring, we're also having some steps in terms of uh, data from low-cost sensors. But as government, we realize that we also need to invest uh, in high-grade equipment. These are reference equipment that can be able to give uh, data that can be used even to charge people. Because what we are doing with this uh, legal framework is that we are taking the function as was developed by NEMA and customizing it to the county you realize the legal framework that was there initially was so much of national so we are coming down to county we are to give the county the ability to prosecute so we require high-grade equipment and this equipment will also be able to now calibrate and check how the local sensors are doing because also a big challenge that we are having with these local sensors is the quality of data that we are getting yes it is giving an indication about how how the air quality is but uh, it can't be able to be used as a reference uh, equipment to say that really this is the air quality. So it has to be calibrated or referenced against a high uh, quality equipment. Uh, we have been able to benchmark uh, from other countries. Uh, we are looking at uh, Botswana and uh, South Africa, who are also we are working with focal points from there to understand from their end how they have been able to do this, which equipments are working, which ones have uh, a repair time after you were able to purchase it, so from this, we have been able to come a budget with a budget and we are presenting it to the assembly. So once we are able to stepwise move from the policy, we are coming now to the implementation of the policy. And so those are some of the equipments that we will require. And the policy gives us a backing in terms of uh, justification for some of these equipments.
0: Owen, where do you see Safaricom role is in terms of sustainability and scaling up this project um, in in different other counties beyond Nairobi? I see Safaricom
2: as a major force in terms of the growth, Um, in terms of, as I mentioned, um, providing the infrastructure where these uh, monitors and sensors can be put or laid out. So um, in terms of growing, because we have About 5,000 BTSs were in uh, all across the country. You're talking about Rift Valley, you're talking about post coast, you're talking about Kisumu, you're talking about the northeastern parts. So we have that extensive infrastructure. So in terms of growth, um, these cell towers can be used by um, Sean and Lawrence in order just to mount the sensors Mm -hmm. to be able to track the air quality in various areas, even outside Nairobi. So in terms of that, in terms of also providing connectivity to these sensors, enabling the transfer of data from the sensors to the various users, the platforms where they're using, and to be able to basically just get a benefit out of the data being received, and also in terms of security and maintenance, uh, we normally maintain our cell towers, so and we also provide security for our cell towers. So if we are able to mount them on these cell towers will also receive the same benefits in terms of maintenance and security. And as Sean has mentioned, the monitors are costly. So security is a very crucial thing in terms of how uh, we able to protect them from vandalism, from theft, and various other externalities which might affect them. So in, in terms of what Safaricom can do, I believe that's where we can step
1: in. And Sean? Shun- in terms of Safaricom, the capabilities they have to reliably operate Right. A mobile phone service is that they also have technical staff that are really competent and I've engaged with them um, through WhatsApp and so on. You're not even physical to mm. get these things installed. They're really competent people that are out in the field. Um, if one of these sensors go down, it's just a message to someone. And in 15, 20 minutes, they're there and they the thing is just troubleshooted or whatever. Right um that's a capability i think if safaricom were to extend beyond just the the base stations it would take this model to another level in terms of reliability not to downplay the importance of security and power availability and communication uh, because this if, if someone takes one of these machines of course it's a big deal but a big part of having these instruments operate is their ability to reliably send um information in terms of of scaling going forward we would be able to demonstrate at an international level a model that you do not see anywhere where telecom comes in to fill a void right yeah. and and that's what excites me about this um project and like Lawrence said it's moving away from pilot now we're going prime time right this is going into being a full-fledged project and From a UN side, of course, we'll work with with the stakeholders to see ways we can mobilize resources to realize this. But right now we're limited in terms of how many of these instruments can we purchase and and give to the county or give to Safaricom to install. We need to find um, a different model, whether that is through the the eventual approved bill that Lawrence referenced, um, to get a budget, or if that's something we could come up with some kind of model with Safaricom. To, to sustain and fund these things, because after a while, you know, just like everything else, they get old, right? So they'll need to be replaced.
0: Fantastic. And since we are running out of time, I just want to have a final word, Owen. Oh, and- In terms of
2: the project, we um, see it as a very beneficial project. In terms of SafariCom, as uh, I mentioned transforming lives is big for us, and the benefits have been clearly indicated by Lawrence. And for us, we believe that um, Sustainable business is good business. If people around you with value in terms of health, value, and other sets of value, you're able to get a very productive uh, country and people are able to drive the economy up. So for Safaricom, we are hoping that the project will enable us to transform lives, and basically get to a place where we are growing as a
3: country economically. Thank you so much, Lawrence. This project has really been beneficial. Uh, since uh, it was launched as a pilot, it has gained a lot of interest. Uh, we were able to start up with very key, influential people uh, who are able to influence the public, key athletes. Now we are working with Athletics Kenya. People were able to put out a word. Uh, this is, we are talking about their quality, which is a silent killer. People mm-hmm. will want to be so much uh, concerned with what they can be able to see, sorry, waste, and such. But their quality is really of equal importance this time, we are able to take action, to be able to get data, to know how our air quality is. And based on that, we are able to be prompted to be able to take action. So, so I, I feel that we are having the right partnership uh, with uh, Safaricom. This is a company with a very great reach, uh, the citizenry. And uh, with such a partner, I believe the project will be able to go far. And also UNEP are giving us the technical capability to be able to analyze this data and uh, be able to help us make sense of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that we can be able to pass it down there in a form that is really understandable and we can can be customized to whichever group. Thank you. Thank you,
1: Sophie. Thank you so much, Sean. And Lawrence, in his closing remarks, touched on uh, something that we didn't until now um, in my memory about, transforming lives and health impacts. I was saying that more than half a million kids die annually from air pollution mm. and, and millions die annually. Um, And not to mention the impact. There are some new studies coming out now that show for every unit uh, increase in PM2.5, you're 11% more susceptible to contracting COVID um, because it impacts your respiratory and immunity systems. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people, especially in the developing countries, don't get it that air pollution, what it is um, and what it does to you. And part of that is because, and, and I try to, to provide context in the beginning of this conversation about dust right part of it is because you grow up smelling burnt rubbish or um, cooking with wood stoves or or biomass fuels you know wood down whatever inside even plastics inside of a building and that's just the way you were brought up and no one really you take it for granted it's just the way it's been and it's only now as we're getting more information, more data and, and studies that we're making this linkage mm. that pollution impacts you in a very negative way. And the ability to measure that and then intelligently take decisions around it is, is really critical in transforming lives. And so I wanted to just depart with that, with that message because we, yeah, and that's a whole conversation in itself, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is what the end game promises and the experiments we've been doing with billboards and so on is to be able to reach people who take this stuff for granted and help them understand what the implications are and put that causality next to what's happening to them. So if you already are asthmatic, you may not even know why you start to wheeze and the more aware you become, Mm. And I have stories around that. The more where you become, you'll understand. Hey, wait a second! It's it's when we cook inside that I start to wheeze. So you'll know what to do, right? Open the windows, you know, travel a different route, not stand behind a matatu, et cetera, et cetera. But I wanted to just, yeah, that's 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 the important part here. Um, one last thing, and then then I, I stop. If we also address this issue on the air pollution all of our sources Mm -hmm. will also improve this whole climate change um, dilemma that we're catching ourselves in, right? Because the sources of pollution, industry, from transportation, um, all of this contributes to this whole climate change um, situation that we've got ourselves in. Mm. Thank you, Sophie.
0: Sean, you mentioned behavior change. If I grew up in Dandora or probably in an area that is actually close to the dumping site, maybe there's a normality whereby this kind of smells and things be getting burned here and there. I think the things that we've actually gotten accustomed to, and it's the same thing that we actually see in solid waste and the whole thing of, you know, someone drinking water. And once you're done with that water, you just throw out that water bottle out of the window of the car, you know, without worrying, without even thinking the consequences of that. But Lawrence, in terms of behavior change for the county, with these billboards, how do you intend to package this data that is coming out from these sensors and actually it's been displayed on these digital billboards. I know you talked about working with the athletes and you talked about working with different sectors in terms of the housing. Um, but then again, how do you intend to make sure like this ones in, this kind of programs that can be drawn out of it that can help specifically in terms of changing people's perceptions about air quality and about air pollution and the actions they are actually supposed to take?
3: I think the main point is uh, pro- providing information to the public so that they can be able to understand it, and that has been the main agenda uh, about this. People have very limited information about how their air quality is and how it is is affecting them. Mm-hmm. So it is something that is gaining ground. Uh, people, more people are gaining interest in this. You see, like now when you do open banning within an estate uh, association will want to know why you are doing this the neighbors can now be able to complain so such practices like open burning within mm-hmm. different estates has now become uh, people have understand it is the law you cannot be able to do it and it is only through awareness that they can be able to get this then they can also be able to see how the air quality within a different setting for example uh, if we work with an association, have a monitor placed within a strategic position within the association, we can tell them that during this uh, time, the air quality is usually very bad. They can now be able to ask uh, what is happening within these areas. Yeah. The county government partnership did, uh, with Julie Avenue at some, at some point. Yeah. And uh, the people really appreciated the work that was done, and we could see now other business people in different other streets Coming to the government and asking, can this be replicated in our areas? People will now start seeing the shift, and this shift, once it is that people start appreciating it, then we can be able to see them welcome most of these uh, actions. Yeah. About the athletics, uh, you see, we have a legacy. Kenya is known for athletics. It's yeah. a legacy that they need to keep. So yeah. we are looking at working with them through having these monitors. We, we can be able to understand in the stadiums. When is the air quality good? When is it bad? And then they can be able to do schedules uh, based on this. These are some of the things that they are looking at. On the roads, so when can you jog? Is it bad in the morning? Is it in the afternoon? Yes. All, all these dynamics can be put in place and they can form a very good basis for research to be able to understand how they fall in, including the issue of forecasting. You can be able to see from data, this place on this time is always bad. And you can predict that on these other days, the same will happen. So gives a advisory So it is quite a broad subject, but it all comes down to giving the information on a simplified form, people to understand and understand how bad it affects them, and they'll be part of the solution.
1: The behavioral change subject is quite a deep one, and one that we're constantly trying to figure out. How do we use new and emerging channels, TikTok, Snapchat, mm-hmm. you know, Instagram? How can we use these channels? And I actually have a challenge right now through the knowledge society which engages with children, I've posted such a challenge to say how can we utilize some of these tools that the young generation are um, utilizing to bring about change and influence from that perspective. There are other things that Lawrence touched on too in terms of the utility of this information because it's real time and you can see it on your phone or on a map there's that potential to utilize this sort of infrastructure for compliance monitoring, where he talked about open burning, which is illegal, but being able to pinpoint that, hey, it's happening over here um, right now. Um, And so I see a number of opportunities here to generate revenue. And I think that's one model that will help, one, change behaviors and the stick approach, right? Generate Mm -hmm. revenue because you get fines, but also the carrot approach is where you know we can get this information through devices through billboards um safaricom has an opportunity to even uh, message to sup- subscriber services so it can be very personalized right because of, you could have a subscriber that is asthmatic or does have heart disease and and as and you know sensitive and so it, they have that ability to actually customize and send information to their customers right and that could also something you pay for because it will save you money on medicines, on, on emergency care, what have you. So the whole behavioural change side of, of this is a complex one, but it starts with the measurement because if we don't have the data, yeah. you know what are we going to tell them? And that's where we're coming in, um, trying to provide and sustain the platform in terms of the data management side so that countries are not burdened with that overhead. Mm-hmm. Um, developing partnerships like the one we're discussing here with Safaricom to provide to give us infrastructure. Working with the county to also build up those partnerships. Um, Lawrence talked about the residents' association, industry um, champions, and so on. Yeah, we're just trying to find ways that we can at least get the the net uh, infrastructure in place, and in parallel, looking at the ideas that can make that those connections in terms of the color is red, this is what it means, you know, and and making it in a very simple to understand way.
0: Yeah. Gentlemen, thank you so, so much for finding time to join me today. I sincerely do appreciate your time.
1: Many thanks, Sophie, this is a great opportunity. And thanks to Owen and, and Lawrence too. Thank you. Thank
0: you. That was Sean Khan, the Global Environment Monitoring System Program Manager at the UN Environment, Owen Obima, the Safaricom Environment Manager, and Lawrence Mwangi, the Nairobi City County Deputy Director of Environment. Now, remember also that you can upload the IQ Air Quality Air Visual app on your phone to monitor air quality around your area you can also listen to us on spotify apple google and every other podcast channel that you access your other podcast or better yet listen to us on our website www.africaclimateconversations.com so i'll see you next week on tuesday but until then kwaheri my name is sophie mbogwa (music) inaindeshwa na AfriPods.